0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Forecasting the weather can be tricky. It's difficult enough under most conditions. How does not will climate change affect forecasting? Researchers at the University of Missouri looked into that and are optimistic that it will likely have little effect. Here to talk about that and forecasting in general is Cindy Pressler, longtime Channel 5 meteorologist, who now does her forecasting online at weatherstl.com. Joining us by phone is Anthony Lupo, professor of atmospheric science at Missouri's School of Natural Resources. Thank you both so much for being with us. Cindy, nice to have you in studio. Thanks, Don. And Tony, good to have you on the phone.
1: Thank you, Don. Glad to be here.
0: You know, I'd like to uh, start with you, Tony, if I may, and uh, get some sense of this research that you've done with regard to uh, climate change and weather forecasting and how one will affect the other.
1: Yes, the research that we did takes a look at uh, shifts in the jet stream. The jet stream will shift its uh, character about every 10 to 12 days, and this shift is important because that's about the time period that your local forecasters can make good weather forecasts using models. Uh, Beyond that, you need to use statistics. And so we wanted to see if that uh, 10 to 12-day time frame would change in a uh, globally warmed world, and we found no change.
0: Well, what, what kinds of models were you using?
1: Well the general circulation models that we used uh came from the uh, IPCC's uh, CMIP program and so they're the general circulation models that are well recognized by the uh, uh world meteorological experts
0: Cindy, let me turn to you with regard to this uh, 12-day forecast. Can you, can you really be comfortable making a forecast 8, 10, 12 days out?
2: No, no, not – hmm. you, you can do trends. You can do trending outlooks. Uh, that's about it. Anything beyond, uh, I would say, even 5 days is tough. You go up to 7, then it gets a little bit less accurate, and beyond that, up to 10. Just look at the trend.
0: Do, what do you make of this research? You probably have not read it Uh Uh, or maybe you have, with regard to uh, the jet stream and its impact on the weather?
2: No, I haven't. So it's very interesting to me. I was just reading it over yesterday and today. Um, I'm not surprised, I guess, uh, that there would be no change. Um, I found it interesting that we do see the big changes in the jet after about 10 days. Yep, I, I I see that in the patterns. Right now across the country, we've got a trough out in the western half of the country with a huge ridge out here in the east, and, of course, St. Louis is right in the center Mm -hmm. of it, so we're getting the influence from both. But uh, record high temperatures along the east coast over the past few days, all that warm air moving north, um, that's also going to contribute to a lot of rain. We've seen plenty of rain here in St. Louis, but going into the weekend, heavy rain for the Gulf Coast, Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, along with severe weather.
0: Tony, what does affect the jet stream?
1: Well, the jet stream's affected by many things, including short-term disturbances like thunderstorms and even low pressures, but it's primarily driven by what's the, the underlying surface, and that would be the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, and things like that. Uh, the, how sea surface temperatures uh, adjust will, will definitely impact the jet stream.
0: Well, if the jet stream does impact the weather and the jet stream is Im- impacted by ocean temperature, climate change is affecting ocean temperature, is it not?
1: It is. We're seeing that uh, generally warmer temperatures have been found worldwide to, uh, on a, on order of a few tenths of a degree, but uh, this has been uh, fairly uniform. Uh, right now, with the impact of the jet stream, you're looking for um, warm or cold anomalies that it, that are found uh, for example right now there's one in the gulf of alaska a very warm anomaly and that kept us underneath a ridge pattern in that area for most of the winter giving the uh, trough in the east to and that allowed for cold air to slide down into our part of the world and as Cindy was just discussing that pattern has switched in the last uh, five to ten days, and we're seeing a reversal of fortunes.
0: We've seen, Cindy, we've seen a lot of anomalies in the last couple <laughs> yeah, of months. We, have. we sure 80-degree days in February and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Over the years that uh, you've been doing this, have you detected um, any changes in, in the routine because of climate change in terms of, again, I go back to the weather we've just had mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. Um, this sort of thing... Must be the result of climate
2: change, yeah, you have to just put it together, and, and logically, you have to say, <clears throat> excuse me that yes, there is a tie there, and i I think I really started to take notice about two thousand eleven a few mm-hmm. years ago when we started seeing all the severe weather start starting on um, January 1st, on New Year's Day of 2011, we had tornado warnings here in the St. Louis area. And that whole year was just incredibly uh, active with severe weather. We had the Joplin tornado. So it was really starting to take effect at that point when we're seeing it right in front of us happening. Mm -hmm. And each year, I'm not surprised at the extreme weather that we're getting in this part of the country, but everywhere across the country and across the entire globe we're seeing it.
0: There are a lot of people out there still, a lot, I don't know what percentage, but many people out there who are climate change deniers. What do you tell them?
2: I just tell them to uh, read. Uh Pay attention (laughs) and read. Make sure you know where you're getting your information from. There's a lot of bad information out there on the internet, um, even on broadcast television. It's everywhere. We're surrounded by it. Just know that Logically, look at it. Look at all the changes we've seen. Uh, It's happening. How can you deny it? How can you deny the ice sheets that they're not melting? And they're doing it at an alarming rate. Uh, Ocean levels are rising. We're seeing it. We're seeing it here in the St. Louis area.
0: But, you know, you've uh, heard people say on a very cold day in St. Louis, what is this climate change and global warming? You know, it's zero degrees out there today.
2: That's weather. Climate is long term. Weather is short term.
0: Right. What do you tell the deniers, Tony?
1: Well, we just uh, tell people that climate has been changing since the uh, Earth began. I mean, and the, of course, there's been climate change, and it's still changing. And right now, the issue for most folks is is, is that climate changing much faster than previous. And, of course, there's folks on uh, both sides of that issue. And, uh, but climate is changing. We've seen it in the last 30 years.
0: One of the things that, that I hear about, it, and I'm the I'm the layman in this conversation, is the fact that one of the things that's doing, Cindy, I'll start with you, is it's forcing greater extremes when yes. we have we more droughts, for instance, right. uh, which we're experiencing here now, for instance. Uh stronger storms, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a direct result of global warming.
2: Correct. You've got a warmer atmosphere, you've got warmer water in the oceans. Mm-hmm. Rising air produces more rain, therefore we're getting more of a southerly flow with that warmer air, and you get more rain uh, here in the St. Louis area over the next um uh, <clears throat> decades it's It's expected to be more flood prone and because we've got two major rivers coming right through here, so not a, not surprisingly
0: we We got a lot of rain this past week, and we are, have been in a drought yeah. um, Did that rain have any real impact on the drought conditions? Yes, it did it's yeah.
2: taking a chunk out of our Mm -hmm. drought. We're still in an extreme drought in parts of even St. Louis County. Uh, The latest drought monitor came out just um, uh, on Thursday, but it did not – take in the rain that we've had this mm-hmm. week. So I think next week when it comes out on Thursday, we'll see a big difference here in the um, in Missouri, especially southern Missouri. Uh, a flood watch, in effect, tonight into tomorrow for southern Missouri. There could see another three inches of rain uh, south of the Farmington area. So that's really going to be a flood threat down there. Not so much here in St. Louis, even though we are going to get more mm-hmm. rain.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, what are you seeing, Tony, or uh, concluding about uh, our drought?
1: Well, uh, as Cindy was noting, uh, we're going to see uh, more extreme uh, seasons in the next couple of decades. We've seen that in the past, that we're getting this feast or famine-type conditions here in the Midwest where the years are very wet or they're very dry. And, of course, uh, this winter has been very dry, but uh, we've seen a change in the pattern. And I think that, uh, as Cindy was noting, when you see the drought monitor next week, it's going to show some significant improvement. And hopefully that keeps, on, keeps up because, of course, drought is a very long-term uh, process and getting out of it will take a while.
0: The old saw about our weather in this part of the country is if you don't like it, just uh, wait a couple of hours and it's definitely going to change. Tony, I'll start with you. Cindy is smiling broadly at that. I'm sure she's heard it many times. is this part of the country more volatile, if I can use that word, um, than other parts?
1: Oh, oh without a doubt. Uh, we're in the middle of a continent, and continental conditions are well known for having very uh, strong variations in the weather, uh, hot to cold, wet to dry, that kind of thing. And, of course, North America, being near the Gulf of Mexico, has the most volatile weather on the face of the Earth, so...
0: Thoughts, Cindy? Oh,
2: definitely. Uh, we get the influence from the Gulf, and we get the influence from Canada, that dry, cold air. So we sit right in the middle here in St. Louis.
0: But I would think that people closer to the Gulf and closer to the you know, North Atlantic would uh, have more turbulence, if you will.
2: Uh, but those areas don't get the violent tornadoes that we do here, uh, that dry air coming in from Texas has influence on it. And it collides with that warm, moist air, and then the cool air coming from the north. So we are really kind of in the center of it. Uh, Usually you think of Tornado Alley as being more Texas into Oklahoma, Kansas. But it seems to be shifting a little bit to the east uh, with a warmer climate. So here in St. Louis, we get our share of violent tornadoes as well.
0: We sure do. We have a question from Greg here that uh, I guess he's emailed us. Speaking of those two rivers, does the confluence of the Mississippi and Missouri rivers have an impact on our weather patterns? I'll start with you, Tony.
1: Not on the largest scales. On the largest scales, we see low pressures, high pressures just sweep across, and it doesn't have much of an influence on that. Mesoscale weather, like thunderstorms and uh, microscale conditions, those can be influenced by topography and things like that. Uh, I've never really studied uh, the the confluence of the Missouri and Mississippi, but uh, it probably has some effect. What do you think, Cindy?
2: Uh, Yeah, to some degree. Like like Tony said, a small degree, I would say. But over the years, uh, sometimes we joke in the meteorology departments about the arch effect because people (laughs) ask, well, why don't thunderstorms come through downtown St. Louis? Why do they tend to split and go around? And we kind of joke about it so, well, that's the arch it's huh. interrupting the flow no, that's not true um, you'd have something much larger to uh, you'd have to have something much much larger
0: that, now that you mentioned that, I can remember back in the days of the v p fair downtown over the Fourth of July, there was always a thunderstorm or two during mm-hmm. that time, and very, very often they slid to the north north of highway seventy, and people would remark about that i mean. That's not the arch effect, certainly, but no. something seems to be going on. It does seem that way, and yeah. it
2: seems like I-70 seems to be a path that thunderstorms follow, and I-44, it's random. There's mm. nothing, uh, because of the highway, it doesn't have anything to do with it.
0: Sure. Well, what about this notion of paths, Tony? What do you make of that? Are there such things as actual paths, or it's just coincidence?
1: Well, I think that it's coincidence mostly for our area, but uh, you get some places... Uh, Uh, where there's significant topography like the uh, Ozarks or even the Rockies, you can see these kind of things happen. I think it's more because there's so many meteorologists in St. Louis. (laughs) Of course, course we want to see the weather, and it goes around (laughs) Well, well,
0: I I can tell you one of my favorite jokes, and you are both are going to hate it, and that is that meteorologists are very well paid for being 100% one hundred percent right ten percent of the time. Cindy
2: <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah. If if we had a dime for every time we heard that, we would be rich. Yeah. Yeah. We would be wealthy. But we're not. Tell so, us something go ahead, Tony.
1: Well, my my take on it is that it's job security because if we ever figure it out, you could let your laptop forecast the weather.
0: Well, as a matter of fact, that's what Cindy is doing right now, basically, <laughs> with an online site that uh, doing for. Tell us about that and how that works. It must be it must be better for you to be able to change it, uh, you know, all day long, as opposed to waiting till five or six o'clock at night.
2: I, I, this is a digital world now, where yeah. we've come to the point where we want it immediately. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm forecasting online with weatherstl.com. Uh, that's the website, and also my social media platform, my uh, Facebook business page. Um, So I'm able to go on there at any time of the day, track severe weather. I can communicate with my viewers at any time. They can ask me questions and ask, is it going to rain in my backyard? And I can get there and I can ask, I can answer those questions immediately. So it's nice to be able to do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
0: You're out of the TV game right now uh, and have been so for about a year. But give us some indication of, of, The process that you had and television meteorologists have in getting their forecast together.
2: It's not something that – it actually takes time. I know a lot of folks think, oh, well, you're on the air for a minute 30 on TV. What do you do the rest of the time? <laughs> well, we're preparing the forecast. Mm-hmm. It takes time. It takes at least a couple of hours to put a good forecast together because you have to analyze the models. You look at everything. And there's so many models available, so much information that you need to go through. And because of the changing patterns now with climate change coming into it, uh, you really have to look closely and, and check it. Um, And then things change, even though you put a forecast out Mm. in the morning, which I do. I try to get a forecast out before 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, That could change by noon or by 6 o'clock in the evening. So I'm continually updating it. I'm putting together videos, explainer videos. Mm. YouTube. Uh, I'm putting Mm. them on YouTube. Mm. I'm posting them and uh, doing it the way I'd like to do it uh, in a way that is easy for my viewers to understand.
0: What, what kind of equipment do you have to uh, gather this information?
2: I have a little Canon camera that mm. shoots video that is just wonderful, and this is the same equipment that the television stations use nowadays, even a GoPro camera or your iPhone. Mm. I can shoot video with my iPhone and put it together.
0: Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of gathering the information you need to do a forecast, gathering the, the statistical data. Mm.
2: Sure. There's uh, a lot of information available online if you know where to look for it. Mm-hmm. It's right there in front of your eyes. Uh, so I do a lot of that, uh, just gather all the information and the statistics and put it all together, put, put a forecast out. Um, and it's fun. I'm enjoying mm-hmm. it a lot. Um,
0: you always seem to enjoy uh, your work. Tony, what do you make of all of this, this digital world and the influence it's having on, on, uh, on all of us, frankly, with regard to the weather and other sciences?
1: Oh, my goodness, the amount of information available is like drinking from a fire hose, to use a cliche. Uh, Boy, oh, boy, and it does take a long time to prepare a decent forecast. Uh, You know, Cindy and all those folks on TV do a great job in in, uh, synthesizing a lot of information and putting it in a very understandable way to the public, so...
0: Going back to where we started this conversation and the research that uh, you folks down at Mizzou have been doing, uh, how do you follow up on that? Where does it go from here? What do you anticipate?
1: Well, we've we've been uh, looking at all aspects of the jet stream uh, for about uh, 20 years now, and in especially a phenomenon by, that goes by the name of blocking, and we'll continue along those lines. We'll probably also try to extend this work out from the mid-2000s to maybe 2100. So,
0: We haven't had any, uh, any mention of two things that we often hear about in this business of uh, El Nino and El Niña, Cindy. Um, we're not affected much by the, these phenomena, are we?
2: Not a whole lot here in the center of the country. We're in a, a La Nina right now. It's a week La Nina. Hmm. It is expected to weaken as we head into spring and probably go into a neutral pattern at that point. And then beyond that, who knows? Do we go to El Nino or do we go again back to a La Nina? We've had two La Ninas in a row now, which is kind of unusual.
0: La Nina mean cooler uh, ocean temperatures and El Nino being
2: warmer. warmer. Correct. And the patterns, it really affects more of the coastal areas, the west coast, the south, the north. You'll notice this winter they've had snow up in North Dakota, Minnesota, and that's typical of a La Nina pattern. The storms stay to the north and into the south. We haven't seen a whole lot. So um, yeah, but it's been very weak.
0: Uh, Tony Lupo, that's going to be your next research project, right? La Nina and El Nino?
1: Well, we've been looking into those for a couple of years as well, and they provide some a valuable prediction information, especially for the summer season. Cindy's right; they don't have a huge influence themselves in the summertime, but we've noticed a correlation between the change in phase from one to another, and uh, and I think we can explain it. But uh, but it it does show some promise, and uh, of course, uh, it's new research that you should see from us pretty soon.
0: Well, we're going to have to end it right there, I'm afraid. Tony Lupo, thank you so much for being with us, telling us about your research. Cindy, great to see you again. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you for Don. coming. Thank you. Again. thank you. Thank you. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download of podcasts at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is produced by Alex Hoyer, Evie Hemphill, and Laura Hamden, with production assistance from Aaron Doerr and Spencer Reed. Executive producers, Mary Edwards. St. Louis on the Air, production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.